0: Welcome back to the program. You're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3, where the daily business program from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and biB.com I'm Kirk LaPointe.
1: I'm Haley Wooden. 2018 is the year of radical creativity, according to our next guest. And if it's embraced, it could help businesses, organizations, even governments better tackle some of the world's biggest problems. This is the Theme of this year's report—it's an annual report put out by our next guest, looking at trends happening all over the world—and joining us in studio to talk more about radical creativity is Nick Badminton, researcher and futurist speaker. Thanks for joining us.
0: No, thank you for having me. What's the difference between radical creativity and just sitting around and blue skying it? Okay, let, let, let's
2: let's put some perspective. My report goes into that. I, I I start off with a very sort of bold statement around moonshots and like you know if we look down to Silicon Valley and you know, Google and all these people are like let's go for moonshots let's, let's shoot for the moon and, and moonshots are basically the big life changing ideas let's work out how we can live forever let's work out how we can connect everyone to the internet let's work out how we can colonize Mars and what I think has, has actually happened is entrepreneurs and innovators like, let's shoot for the moon and it causes a massive amount of inertia because very quickly you find out that the goals are so big and lofty that you don't have the ability to be creative with solutions solutions that are on the ground right now. So there's one example of a moonshot that's kind of gone uh, awry recently. So uh, Google and Xprize they went to do the Lunar Xprize, right? Send 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 a uh, um, send a vehicle to the moon, drive 500 meters and send back pictures. Well last week they actually cancelled it because no one could do it. Hmm. Because it was too expensive and too far away, it was too complex. And these people putting time and energy into all these solutions and thinking about this, and what i 'm saying is that maybe we
0: need to get back down to the grassroots so instead of colonizing Mars, we try to colonize Vancouver well,
2: you know <laughs> instead of colonizing Mars yeah. uh, maybe there 's a way to, to radicalize um, the, the way that we think about um, h- housing um, within Vancouver for people that are uh, of lower income or that there are ways of actually working out how to make Vancouver better for play on the streets and and really radical creativity is this idea where we can take um, ideas from all over like scientific discoveries and academia cultural changes uh, consumer behaviour community you know look at policies and standards and also the exponential technologies that are out there and I talk about them in my report and apply them in new ways to to, to big solutions could be about you know creating abundant renewable energy it could be about housing and construction it it could be about you know ways to apply artificial intelligence that really benefits humanity in a new world
1: We often see governments take the local approach, right? They're focused on looking at affordability in Vancouver, say. And then you have the Amazons, the Googles focusing on, okay, how do we colonize Mars? Yeah. What's the solution? Are you trying to bridge a gap between, you know, the people who have the resources to do it and, and the governments that sort of manage it? What's, what's the solution?
2: Yeah, so that's the grassroots approach. So, so it's really like anyone, any company or group of people, whether you're a huge multi-billion dollar company or a small, you know, low millions, low $100,000 company can still come together and come up with wild new ideas that can change how things work. You know, academics at the University of Columbia have come up with a, a new way of thinking. Oh, there's so much evaporation in the world. The world's covered in 71% water. Can we we, we harness the evaporation that's happening every single second of every single day? So they built a machine based out of spores and plastic and and sticky tape that can actually power a light bulb. Hmm. And it's called an evaporation machine. And this is where great radical ideas start. And eventually you can get some scale and that scale becomes machines that you could potentially place over any body of water. So whenever water falls, evaporation machines um, generate energy and become part of the solution for renewable energy.
0: Are there particular systems and structures that are necessary in order to have the radical creativity as opposed to uh, creativity that perhaps goes off course?
2: I think you need to have um, permission to have some wild ideas. I, you do need some money behind it as well. So that's really important. I would say that local government needs to give money into the ecosystem for those sort of, you know, bigger than public consultations, like, you know, giving money to people to do projects that can do something fantastic beyond hackathons and whatever, which are quite restrictive. Um, You need to have those kinds of things. You do need to have mentors. You do need to have open sharing of information. So uh, one radically creative uh, execution in the past few years was Tesla. So Elon Musk says, hey, we've got all these patents. You know what? They, They belong to all of us. Take them all and look, look at what's happened to the electric vehicle industry. And now, like, every single, if you look across the whole automotive uh, industry, um, all companies are putting $90 billion into it now. It's like double what they were last year. And it's because radical
0: creativity is about open sharing. As well, that was just that I was going to yeah. say that also requires seemingly some selflessness. Yeah that maybe hasn't always been there in the past, where people have taken a proprietary hold on whatever it is that they were generating or creating.
2: Yeah, Yeah, everyone's trying to play a zero-sum game. It's like, I want everything that you have and 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 there's no winners. If you play a zero sum game, there's no winners. Someone's got everything, someone's got nothing, or someone's got seventy percent, someone's got thirty percent. It's like it, it seems strange to me. Um, it, it's it's more like it's like becoming like uh, technologically socialist in a way. Like opening the doors and letting everything out. If you actually think about it, um, so Google bought Motorola, and um, why did they buy Motorola, a failing business? Well, all of the patents that 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 Motorola earned, like owned are worth billions of dollars, um, and that's a closed ecosystem, right? Um, you know, why does an iPhone cost thousand dollars? Why, is, why can't it be um, just open-sourced as technology and cost like $100 and everyone in the world has access to it, right? This is this is uh, something that I think is going to be a big shift. Radical creativity allows us and gives us permission to step forward to have these wild ideas and work together in completely new ways.
1: We're speaking to Nick Badminton in studio with us today. He's a researcher and futurist speaker. How do we ensure that businesses are incentivized to take that socialist approach, that collaborative approach?
2: Well, you know, the the incentives today, as soon as a company goes public, the incentive is to keep shareholders happy, Mm -hmm. right? You know, and to to earn dividends, which is kind of wrong (laughs) in a way. If you're trying to do good in the world, I mean, Google says uh, don't be evil and Facebook's trying to do amazing things, whatever. But they're beholden to the stock market and beholden to the shareholders. So you you kind of have to change the dynamics a little bit. Um, creating like charitable foundations like Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Chan Zuckerberg Foundation whatever, a, a great step towards the dem- democratisation of access to, to funds to fund some interesting things. But you still got foundations controlling what you do and don't put money towards right? Mm-hmm. And ultimately they want to own the final solution for like the cure for cancer, the cure for
0: diabetes the cure You know, because they want credit for it. So, how do you make sure that you get credit in all of this? Well, those companies actually
2: um, get credit by you know patenting the final solutions, right? I mean, this is this is this is what it all comes down to. I mean, this is tough. I mean, one of the one of the examples I give in in my report is about something around open insulin. So you can actually synthesize insulin from a number of different things. I use the example of a a group down in the Bay Area that use um, a certain kind of yeast to to synthesize insulin. Now they need to work out how to do that on scale at a certain price. But Eli Lilly own a lot of the patents around insulin, and they make slight changes every year. They patent the changes and they drive the price up, and that's nearly 400 million people worldwide that are being fleeced. And there are people in the States, and there's some uh, news reports if you search out there, that actually can't afford insulin. So losing limbs, blindness, mm-hmm. <laughs> potentially <Yeah>. death, <laughs> you know, so so there has to be, it, it's almost like an uprising of the the technological, academic, academic, scientific community and the responsibilities to step forward. I would actually like to see these big tech companies being a little bit more selfless and a little less driven by profits. And that's why I think that moonshots are kind of like this misnomer in the situation, right?
1: So your report sort of looks at the trends for 2018 and beyond. When do you think we might see that shift or what would need to happen to kick it off?
2: Yeah, I I think we've seen... I think people are starting to not believe that these big grandiose ideas are like the be-all and end-all. I think they're starting to see through PR. I mean, Elon Musk has just sold ten million dollars worth of uh, flamethrowers, flame yeah, yeah, and, and fifty thousand hats to, to fund his like tunnel under LA. I mean, this is this is this is stranger than fiction in, in a way, right? We,
0: we talk about this almost every couple of days on the program. But uh, <laughs> tell me. How soon is the autonomous vehicle getting here, Nicholas? They're they're already here. Okay, but... Um,
2: They're already here. here, But here, 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 in terms of an actual impact on the streets, they're already testing them in places like Toronto. I was just down in Silicon Valley. They're everywhere in Silicon Valley. Um, When are they getting here? 2020, 2021? There's actually a report that came out in Canada actually saying by 2021, 2022, autonomous vehicles would be pretty standard and normal on on the streets. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, there's a big Ferrari, you know, you know, oh, are they safe? You know, if I had a choice to kill these people or those, it's all the wrong questions. Because that problem of will they kill these people, or those people, it needs to make a choice. It's like, that's a trolley problem for trains. That's old ethics discussions. Autonomous cars will just stop. Autonomous cars, really, and this was an interesting point a friend of mine made, they just need to be a couple of percent better than humans, and they're already going to be saving lives in in a way better than (laughs) humans can drive. No, of
0: course. how, how uh, How many air crashes are caused by the computers? Almost none. Exactly. They're almost all human error yeah mm-hmm. e- exactly and
2: it's the same with um you know oh, T- Tesla's crashed here. It's like well, the guy took control off the autopilot you know it, it's it's very similar, yes, there are still bugs in the system, but they are still being worked out. I think GM like crashed a couple of cars this week, and you know there are still problems because you still have to make sure the systems are resilient. that resilience is going to get proven in the next i think three years
1: mm-hmm. well, it's a big shift in your report you look at X, the exponential aid is called to so the yes. additional technologies that yeah. will shape our future we don't have too much time left yet but I want to ask you what ones you think we should be paying attention to and whether you think we can fully comprehend at this stage how impactful these are going to be
2: Yeah, so so the first two that I talk about is around big data and, and the second one is around artificial intelligence these are probably the most impactful uh, in in all truth so big data is like we're, we're bleeding data through our phones, through the systems when autonomous vehicles hit the road you know Everything is going to become you know, a huge data ecosystem. They say that data is the new oil. And actually what's interesting is you've got a massive, uh, massive Saudi oil company now going into partnership with Google to revolutionize the way that they do technological business because they realize that data is an unlimited resource and you can do anything once you actually tap into that. So this is why you've got Facebook, Amazon, Google, you know, all these big tech companies as the most... You know, valuable companies in the world. Artificial intelligence on top of massive amounts of data means being able to process it quickly and being able to apply it in very smart and predictive ways and adaptable ways um, in everything from self-driving vehicles to home appliances to you know, um, teaching in schools and whatever. It's going to have a huge amount of change. In 1900, electricity came and changed the world. In 2018, AI is going to find such momentum that it's going to fundamentally change everything and it'd be as important as that change in the world that electricity gave.
1: It's a new world.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's a new world already. And AI has been around since the fifties. It's just not been given. It's not had the processing ability. Now there's big foundations and there's big people behind it. And, uh, you know, those algorithmic tasks out in the world going to be replaced by by machines and humans are going to be able to do more useful tasks
1: there you go nick as always thanks so much for joining us on the show and broadening our horizons to what's out there and what's already happening
2: okay thank
0: you
1: that's nick badminton he's a researcher and a futurist speaker you're listening to business in vancouver on roundhouse radio 983 i'm Haley wooden
0: and i'm Kirk the point